This episode of The Productivity Show is brought to you by The Dojo, the best and most supportive productivity training library and community. Try The Dojo for just $1 at theproductivityshow.com forward slash dojo. Welcome to The Productivity Show, a podcast by Asian Efficiency to help you maximize your productivity so you can get everything done without having to sacrifice your health, family, and things that matter to you. We've helped tens of thousands of people save time, be happier, and become more productive. Now, usually when people talk about automation, they're talking about turning the lights on and off with smart lights or automating things on the computer like moving files around or text expansion. Those are all super, super useful automations, but what about a huge chunk of our work and home technology use, the web? In this episode, we're gonna be sharing some examples of personal and business automations that happen automatically thanks to some insanely useful web tools. And we'll share some of our favorite browser extensions that save us time and hassle. You can find links to everything that we share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com forward slash 282. And now on with the show. Hey, this is Brooks, Operations Director of Asian Efficiency, where we help people become more productive at work and at life. And there's one thing if you've listened to the podcast before that you're going to realize very, very quickly, and that is there's no Tan here and there's no Marmel here. Tan, the CEO of Asian Efficiency, usually the co-host here on the Productivity Show, is ill today, even with all his health hacks and everything. Even he gets sick sometimes and normally he would power through. However, he's not able to talk today, so that makes it a little difficult to record a podcast. But no problem. We are not talking about the pros and cons of epi versus monogram for Louis Vuitton and stuff like that. We are talking about web automation, which is actually one of my very, very favorite topics. I'm super excited to talk about that. So I'm no problem flying solo today. So that's what we're going to be doing. Before we get started, though, I do want to talk about our top three resources. So we start every episode with the three things that we're liking right now or that we want to point your way really quickly, lightning round style. So number one is a Chrome extension called Momentum. And this is actually something I learned from Tan years and years and years and years ago, way before I joined AE. I was hanging out with him at a conference and I noticed when he opened up a new browser tab, it has this beautiful picture. It says... Hi there, Tan. What are you working on today? And this one prompt where you put in what you're working on that day. And then every time you open up a new tab, it shows you what you should be working on versus what you've probably opened that tab to do. And it has, like I said, beautiful photography from all over the world. So Momentum is one of my favorite extensions. So I wanted to point you to that. Number two is Zoom. Now, Zoom is a online meeting service, I guess you could say. It's actually what we use to record the productivity show live in front of the dojo audience, which is something we do, the dojo being our online community, and it's something we use for all our internal meetings as well. We used to use Skype for many for a long time, and we would constantly be having problems, but since we switched to Zoom maybe two years ago, I w- I'm going to say, at least a year ago anyway, it's been super, super rock solid, so check out Zoom. And finally, FreshBooks. So if you're somebody who needs to do invoicing, work with clients, get paid, FreshBooks is a great online invoicing software that makes it really, really easy for customers to pay you and really, really easy for you to keep track of those payments. So check out FreshBooks. Those are our top three resources. 
And like I said, we're going to be talking about web automation today. And this is really, really great timing because one of our most popular courses we've ever created, it's called Automation Academy. It helps you automate the things in your work and your life. And when this recording is released, Automation Academy is going to be reopened as well. And we have a brand new bonus all about web automation that we've created that will take you through in detail with videos and everything, most of the things that we talk about today. So it's pretty good timing that when this podcast comes out. But that's enough said about Automation Academy. I want to get into the topic of web automation. And so who is this for? So web automation is for people who quote unquote work with the web. And really these days, almost all of us do, even if our job isn't specifically working with online services, web tools in your job, no problem. Chances are you're using apps, you're using services that connect to the internet in some way. And even if you don't work with any of those, no problem. We're going to share some handy browser tools that we think you'll love as well. Because more and more of what we use to do get our work done is web-based. So you want to save time and be more efficient with the tools that you use. And your web browser has got to be at least one of your top three most used app if you really, really think about it. You probably have some tools that you use at home and work like task managers, calendars, spreadsheets, even fun websites and tools. You can make them all work together seamlessly using the web automation tools that we're going to be going through in this episode. So let's get started. What is web automation? So what do we mean by web automation in the first place? Well, web automation, to us anyway, lets you save time by automating those online activities that you do and connecting web services together like Lego blocks. So some simple examples, maybe you do a post on Instagram and it automatically posts it to Twitter as well. You don't need to go and manually do that. Or maybe somebody pays an invoice and you get a notification in Slack about it. Or you could do something even advanced. So you could have somebody fill out a form, then it adds that data to your CRM and then it puts it in a Google sheet and then sends you a text message about it. That's an extreme example, but that's the sort of things that you can do with web automation. It can be super, super simple, but it can be super, super complex and powerful as well. And so today I'm going to talk about two types of web automation. Number one are browser tools that will make your web experience better and more efficient. So even if you don't use any of these web automation services that we're going to be talking about a bit later, I'm going to share some of our favorite browser extensions, browser tools that we use to kind of customize and tweak our browser to get work done more efficiently. So that's number one. Number two, we're going to talk about web automation services, including free ones that will help you connect the other web services that you use together and make them work together seamlessly and more efficiently. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I am going to start with browser tools. So much of what we do now happens through the window of a web browser. And this is, I'm going to just be showing my nerd cred here. My very first web browser most people don't think about that because they've probably been using it for a long time. But for me, my very first web browser was actually NCSA Mosaic, which was the very first, at least the most popular, the very first 
graphical web browser. So I started using that in 1993. I downloaded it over dial-up to my 386 computer. I was super, super excited. I used a FTP program and I was online, quote unquote, before that using dial-up modems and using things like FTP and Gopher and those old school services like that. So seeing this thing called the World Wide Web with images and hyperlinks was just complete bananas to me. And those first browsers didn't even allow you to change the color of the background text. It was gray no matter what you did. But browsers have come a very long way since then. And one of the most handy features of modern browsers is the ability to use plugins or extensions. And those are little programs that you can install in your browser, whether it's Firefox, whether it's Chrome, whether it's Safari, that will let you customize your browser and also extend the functionality. And that's what we're into is that extending the functionality and allowing you to do different things. So some of our very favorite browser extensions. For me, my one of my favorite ones that I use almost every day is called Send to OmniFocus. And that's a Chrome extension. And we're going to have links to all of these in the show notes. So the productivityshow.com forward slash 282. And so what Send to OmniFocus does is when you click on the button that gets saved in your browser. So when you install these extensions, you have a little toolbar and there's little buttons that you click and one of them will look like a little OmniFocus icon. And so when you're on a web page and you click that button, what it will do is it'll automatically bring up a window with a link to that page in the notes field and allow you to really quickly add an OmniFocus task that references that page. So this is really, really handy when you're doing research, when you come across something actionable that you wanna to capture to OmniFocus and do something with later, something that involves a task. It can also be really, really handy if you use webmail as well. So for example, if you use Gmail and you use it through a web browser, not a mail program, it makes it really easy to capture email messages to OmniFocus, and then you can take action on that later. So send to OmniFocus is a Chrome extension that I use all the time. Another extension that I like that I don't use all the time, but it does come in really, really handy when I need it, is called OneTab, and it's available for Chrome or for Firefox. And so OneTab lets you do is, you know how sometimes you're doing a bunch of research on a topic, so, and what happens is you, open up one page, which leads you to another page, and which leads you to another page, and then you go to another page, and you're, you're just collecting a bunch of different research. And before you know it, you have like 20 browser tabs open of all these different pages. And maybe you get interrupted, or maybe your focus block is over, and you need to go on to doing something else, but you have all these browser tabs open and that you wanna save. Well, what one tab lets you do is, like the name implies, what it will do is when you have your browser tabs open and you click the one tab button in your browser, what it will do is it will make one page with a links to all of the open tabs that you have that you can then go back and reference later. So again, I don't use this extension every day, I don't even use it every month, but in those periods where I'm doing heavy research and looking up a lot of different things, it can be really, really handy to keep my research and all the tabs and research organized when I'm doing it. So that's number two, one tab. And 
A third extension that I want to highlight, and this is full disclosure, they have been a sponsor of the Productivity Show before. I don't believe they're a sponsor of this episode, but I do want to give them a shout out, and that is Grammarly. The Grammarly browser plugin is really, really handy because when you're in a writing window in your browser, so maybe that's an email message, maybe that's a document, maybe it's a, a comment in a comment box or something like that, what the Grammarly web extension will do is it will watch the th stuff that you're typing and then if there's spelling errors, grammar errors, if you're a Grammarly premium member, if there's corrections you wanna do, it will highlight those in the browser so that you can very easily go and make those changes to improve your writing. So I have the Grammarly browser plugin turned on pretty much all the time and I really, really find it handy. So those are three browser tools that I really, really like. I asked Tan, since he wasn't going to be here today, I asked Tan for some of his examples of browser tabs that he loves. And so I'm just going to go through Tan's list as well, because most of these are things I use as well. So Tan's number one recommendation is 1Password. So we've talked about 1Password a lot on the podcast. And what that is, is an app that allows you securely hold all your passwords and keep them behind one complex password so that you avoid reusing passwords, everything's securely stored, and everything's accessible on any device that you have. Where it comes into play with web automation is that it's this really handy feature that when you go to a web page and you have a login saved for that web page, it will automatically let you fill it in either automatically or with one keystroke, it'll fill it in from your browser and log you in. So 1Password is a really, really handy way to store all of your logins without having to have them saved in a browser, which is super great for security. That's number one, 1Password. Number two, Tan's number two recommendation is Evernote, the Evernote Web Clipper. So again, we've talked about Evernote on the podcast before. Uh, we recently did an episode with Stacey Harmon all about Ever Evernote, and I'll drop a link to that in the show notes to this episode as well, because that was a really popular episode. Where it comes into play with web automation is Evernote gives you what's called a web clipper. And I actually think this is the best web clipper of any tool, any similar tool out there. The Evernote Web Clipper is fantastic. So what it lets you do is when you are on a web page, what you do is you click the Evernote button that's in the plugins bar of your browser. And what it will do is it will look at the page and capture the information. If you're reading an article, for example, what it can do is it can just grab the text of the article, get rid of all of the ads and menus and all the stuff you don't care about. Just pull out the text from the article and then save that to Evernote. But it will also let you capture full web pages if you want, or you can annotate and mark up things that you capture. It's a really, really powerful tool for capturing information from the web and saving it to Evernote. So I'm a big fan of the Evernote Web Clipper and Tan is as well. Tan's third recommendation for browser tools is called Pocket. And I personally do not use Pocket. I do use a similar service called Instapaper, but for this purpose is basically the same thing, which is kind of similar to Evernote actually, in that if you're on something that you wanna read later, like maybe you come across an article, but you just don't have time to read it now, you wanna be in a more focused environment, for example, or you wanna save things for your commute to read on your commute, something like that. What Pocket and Instapaper will let you do is when you're on an article or something you want to read, you click one button and it, again, it will strip out 
everything that you don't care about and only focus on the text that you want to read. And then it will save it to your read later service so that later you can fire up the pocket or Instapaper app and all the articles that you saved will be nicely saved there, ready for you to read later as the name implies. So those are our favorite browser tools. Send to OmniFocus, OneTab and Grammarly for me and 1Password, Evernote and Pocket for Tam. So even if you don't do anything else as far as web automation that I'm about to talk about, look into some of the popular browser tools in either the Chrome Web Store, the Safari App Store, or the Firefox plugin store as well, and find a handy extension. Look at the popular ones, and you'll definitely have a better browsing experience using plugins and extensions. It's not like the old days with Internet Explorer where loading these things would totally bog down your browser. They're a lot better now than they used to be. This episode is brought to you by The Dojo, the best and most supported productivity training library and community. Achieve your goals in record time with help of productivity coaches and an accountability group. The funny thing about productivity is that sometimes you know what you should be doing, but somehow it just doesn't happen. You read blogs, you buy books, you listen to podcasts, and maybe try a thing or two, but nothing sticks or you find yourself in pretty much the same place as before. The good news is you're definitely not alone and you're closer than you think. The missing key is true mentorship and community, and that's where the dojo comes in. The dojo is an online productivity training library and community. There are over 35 productivity courses in there on topics such as strategic planning, how to plan a 90-day year, how to use a calendar, and a lot more. You'll get access to productivity courses that are not for sale anywhere else. You can only get them when you're a dojo member. The dojo also comes with community where like-minded people and the AE team come together and share what's working for them on the private forums and on live coaching calls. It's all included when you're a dojo member. For the Productivity Show listeners, we have a special offer for you when you enroll today. Go to theproductivityshow.com forward slash dojo and try it out for just $1. That's theproductivityshow.com forward slash dojo. So that's category number one of web automation browser tools. I'm going to roll on to category number two, which is a web automation service. And this can be something difficult for people sometimes to get their head around what these web automation services actually are, because you hear about these tools and you hear about tools on your computer like Hazel or Alfred, and people aren't really sure what does what. So hopefully this episode will help break that down for you. So what a web automation service is, is it's a web service that lets you connect two or more of your favorite web tools so that when something happens in one place, in one tool, it makes something happen in another. So it's kind of like dominoes, I guess, in a way that you start knocking down one domino and if you want, you can have it knock down other dominoes as well. So it's that kind of connection. Doing things in one place will carry on to other places if you choose to make that happen. So for example, like we said earlier, you could have it so that if somebody fills out an online form somewhere, it posts those results to a Slack room. Or you could have it so that if you weigh yourself using a smart scale, because these web automation services don't just work with websites, they can work with smart home devices as well. So you could have it so that if you weigh yourself with a smart scale, it automatically logs it every day to a Google sheet, for example. 
or you can have it so that this is a kind of a wacky example, but just to show an example of what you could do, you could have it so that when you complete a task in your task manager on a certain project, it automatically plays a certain song or playlist on your Sonos at home. It's kind of a crazy example, but I did try it and it did work. That's an example that shows if you can dream up an automation and if the web service or web connected device you use supports automation, you can make almost anything happen. So how do you do web automation? Well, our web automation services. Well, the two main web automation services that we use and like, there's lots of them out there, but the two that we use and like are IFTTT, which stands for if this, then that. And the other service that we like and use is called Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R. And we have links to both of these in the show notes again, theproductivityshow.com forward slash 282. And these two services are very similar, but they do have some important differences. So if you hear about these services and you're wondering which to use for what, we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive right now, and hopefully that will be helpful. So IFTTT is free, and it's mostly focused on consumer automation and things like smart devices. And you can create very simple automations that have two steps. So you can create an automation that has a trigger, so something that makes the automation start in one web app or device. So an example of a trigger might be starring an email in Gmail or something like that. That's an example of a trigger. Something happens that makes the automation happen. That's the trigger. And on the other side, you can have an action. So something that happens in the other web app or device. So when you set off the automation using your trigger with, say, a star, then something else happens in another service. That's why IFTTT is called if this, then that, which means if this happens, then do that. Now, Zapier is much more focused on business automations, and there is some overlap here. It You can obviously use IFTTT for business. It's not like you can't. And you can also use Zapier for personal things. There's overlap between the two for sure. But in a big picture, IFTTT is more focused on consumer and smart home apps. And Zapier is generally more focused on business automations. It does have a free tier that lets you have a limited number of single step automations, or I guess you could say two step automations like IFTTT. But the real value of Zapier over IFTTT is with the paid tier. So it gives you more automations that you can use and it allows you to create really powerful multi-step automations. So you don't just have a trigger and an action. You have a trigger and then you can have multiple actions and you can do manipulation of the data and all sorts of things. Zapier is a tool that can be as simple or as powerful as you want it to be. Whereas IFTTT is generally pretty simple no matter what. So let's do a deeper dive into the two so you can get an idea of what works with what and what those differences are. So IFTTT, like I said, is more focused on consumer automation and smart devices. It doesn't, again, mean that you can't use it for work. So if you use a business and IFTTT supports the web services that you use, then go ahead. There's nothing stopping you from using it. It it works totally fine. Here are some examples, though, of things you can do with IFTTT, and there's a lot more, but here, here's just a few simple examples. Number one, you could connect it to 
Weather Underground and send a push notification if it's going to rain. So Weather Underground is a popular web app and web service for weather. You can connect it to IFTTT and you can send you a notification if it's going to rain. So that's one example. Another thing you could do is you could add tasks to your Todoist inbox using your Amazon Echo or other smart home device. So you could say smart home device, add a task to Todoist and then it will, you, if you integrate the two, it will then add it to your Todoist inbox, even if the smart home device doesn't natively support Todoist. In the Automation Academy update that I was talking about earlier, we show you how you can keep a running log of songs that show up in your Spotify Discover Weekly playlist. So if you're a Spotify user, you're probably familiar with Discover Weekly, where every week they recommend songs to you based on the songs that you have and the songs that you listen to that it thinks you'll like. Well, you can create use IFTTT to create a new playlist that grows every single week with the songs that get added to your Discover Weekly. So you have this constantly growing playlist of things that Spotify thinks you'll like anyway, instead of just having them disappear every week. So that's an example of a thing you can do. Some of Tan and my favorite IFTTT automations. So some of my favorite automations that I use IFTTT for, when I get near my house, I have a Ecobee smart thermostat. And so when I get near my house, the IFTTT app recognizes that and it tells my smart thermostat that I'm nearing home so that it switches it to the home versus the way setting so that my house starts to heat up where I live in Vancouver. Not many of us have air conditioning. It's not really needed in the summer. So this is more a heat thing. When I'm nearing the house, it automatically kicks in the furnace so that the house is nice and toasty warm before we step in the door. So that's one thing that I have IFTTD do. Another thing is I automatically archive new WordPress posts to an Evernote notebook. So just to have an archive of my WordPress posts, I have that automation set up so that anytime something gets posted to a, a, word, a certain WordPress site, it automatically saves it as an archive in Evernote, just to have that extra archive of my articles. Some things that Tan does, I, I asked Tan for some IFTTT examples. So what he does is automatically backs up Instagram posts to Dropbox. So Instagram and Dropbox are two services that IFTTT supports. So you could do things, I don't think Tan does this, but you could do things like if somebody tags you in a photo in Facebook, automatically save that photo to Dropbox so that you have that. And Tan does the same thing with Instagram. If something gets posted to Instagram, automatically save it to Dropbox. Another thing he does is save favorite tweets to Evernote. So if he's on Twitter and he sees a quote that he likes or a link he wants to check out or just something that he wants to save, yeah, you could copy and paste the link to Evernote or you could load it in a browser and click the Evernote web clipper or something like that. You can definitely do all that manually. However, what he's done is he set up a IFTTT automation so that all he needs to do is hard it in Twitter and it will automatically save that tweet to Evernote. So really, really handy. And that kind of shows you the example of what I'm talking about with the building blocks, the Lego blocks with these web automation tools. You're doing something in one place and it's causing something else to happen in another place, even if there's no formal integration between the two services, these web automation services like IFTT and Zapier, it shows you the example of how these can bridge those two services that otherwise don't have a formal integration. So that's IFTTT. So 
doing a little bit of a deep dive into Zapier now. We actually pay for Zapier at, at Asian Efficiency because it saves us so much time and effort. We're big Zapier fans here, and that's kind of what led to digging into the web automation topic in the first place. Nice thing about Zapier is it supports a huge amount of work-related apps like Google Sheets, Gmail, Slack, Trello, Airtable, HubSpot, Asana, Stripe, Excel, Office 365. You get the idea. If you use a web-connected service that has some sort of business bent, there's a pretty solid chance that Zapier has a integration set up. It even has an integration set up for OmniFocus. It just uses the OmniFocus mail drop, which isn't a formal integration, but it recognizes that people might want things to go into OmniFocus. So they've built that integration in as well. It can be overwhelming when you're trying to set things up the first time. I, I think they make it as easy as possible. But when you go to, to the Zapier website and you want to create your first automation, it can seem a little overwhelming. So the easiest way to get started is to go to Zapier's website, so zapier.com, and again, we'll have a link in the show notes, and then click on the explore button up at the top. So at the top of the site, there's a link that says explore. And what you can do when you go to that page is you can just select the web applications that you use. Like let's say you're a Slack, Trello, and Stripe user. You just click those in the list of supported applications, and then it will narrow it down to sample automations that you can create with just one or two clicks. So some examples of things you can do with Zapier, you can make it so that if you star an email in Gmail, it automatically creates a card in Trello with a link back to that email. So that's a handy feature is having that link back so that when you're taking action on something, you can go back to the source material. And you can do that using Zapier with an integration with Gmail and Trello. You could make it so that when a Google Calendar event is coming up, it automatically creates a Todoist task the day before to prepare for it. Or you could have it so that if you star a message in Slack, it automatically sends that to OmniFocus, assuming that that means that it's an actionable thing you want to do. Now, like we mentioned earlier, one feature of Zapier with the paid tier is that you can either make really simple two-step automations or really complicated multi-step ones if you want. So in the Automation Academy update that I referenced earlier, we go through this example that Zapier watches Twitter. And if you receive a tweet to your account, what it will do is it will log it automatically to a Google Sheet and then post it to Slack so that you can then have a social media command center. And that's actually something that we do. And this is something we actually use Zapier for is creating this social media command center so that we don't have to go to Twitter and stuff like that to see the tweets that we interact with. They come right into Slack. And so if we want to, we can dip into that social media room and see everything that's going in on our social platforms. So that's an example of using these integrations to focus your attention on one or two places instead of having to go around to a bunch of different places. Now, some of our favorite Zapier automations. For me, one of my favorite Zapier automations is uh, every month or two, we do a live coaching or uh, live implementation call with our Dojo members. So the Dojo is our online productivity community. So you can learn more about that at theproductivityshow.com forward slash Dojo. So we do these live calls with our Dojo members to help them get unstuck and implement the things that they're working on. And so what we do is whenever we have one of those, there's a form that Dojo members can pre-submit questions. 
So what we do with that is we have a Zapier automation that watches when new responses come in and automatically posts it to a Google Sheet. So that it's really easy for me when I'm preparing for the sessions to just see all of the questions and the responses in one Google Sheet so that we can then create the best experience possible for our members and answer as many of the questions as we can with the least amount of effort from us. Second thing we have Zapier do is we have it, and this is a more complicated automation, but we have a key metric that we watch every single day. And so what we do is we created a pretty complicated Zap. Zap is a name, what the name that Zapier gives automations. We created a pretty complicated Zap that will gather data from a bunch of different places, bring it together, and then pull it from a Google Sheet and then automatically post that with a graph to Slack every single day. Because we don't have, as a remote team, we don't have an office whiteboard. We don't have an office where we can have screens showing our key metrics because we all work remotely. I'm in Vancouver, Canada. Tan's in Austin, Texas. Other members of the team are in the Philippines. So we're all over the world. So since we don't have an office, Slack kind of becomes our office. And so we have that key metric pulling and posting to Slack every single day. And that is all done with Zapier. Uh, I asked Tan for some of his favorite zaps that he or we use. So one thing that we do is when there's billing issues, they get added to a Google Sheet so that we can then follow up with people uh, and help them get unstuck with uh, whatever their billing issue happens to be. And same thing, we want to monitor what's happening with uh, when we have declined payments so that we can help people out and we can see where, where that is. And that gets added to a Google Sheet as well. So we have everything in one place that we can then take action on. So those are two ways that you can do web automation. So you can do browser tools that gives you one click ability to take action and just make your browsing and web using experience easier. And you have web automation services that tie together things you do online, the services you do online, so that just having things happen in one place will automatically make them happen in all sorts of other places. So for final action items, if you use Chrome, go to the Chrome Web Store and check out the popular extensions. If you use Safari, go to the extensions in the Safari preferences. And there's a button there that says get more extensions. So check those out, see what the popular extensions are, see what extensions are recommended for you, and just give a few a try. I guarantee if you add some of these extensions and browser tools, if you have the ability to do that on your computer, of course, you'll have a better and more efficient use of your browser. And number two, go to ifttt.com and zapier.com. And both services have an explore link at the top of the page. Go check that out. And you can then see what kind of automations are available for the tools that you use. And you can get some ideas and inspiration for things. And sometimes there's a pre-built automations. So you don't even have to create them yourself. You can just use one click to add them. And then you can turn them on for your particular tools. And number three, you can find links to everything that we discussed today in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com forward slash 282. And you can see the show notes for a link to the Automation Academy that we've just reopened. You can go to theproductivityshow.com forward slash automation and check out that as well. So thank you so much and talk to you later. At Asian Efficiency, we believe that you shouldn't have to sacrifice your personal life to get stuff done. 
you should be able to get everything done in the time that you have. That's why we've built a productivity quiz to help you maximize the time you have, increase your energy, and get you more focused. We've helped tens of thousands of people increase their productivity, and within two minutes of taking the productivity quiz, we'll show you exactly what you need to do next to increase your productivity. To take the quiz, just go to theproductivityshow.com forward slash quiz. Again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com forward slash quiz. Don't let your never-ending to-do list drag you down and stop sacrificing your health and family to get stuff done. Take the quiz today and you'll be on your way to becoming superhuman productive. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us an iTunes review or a star in Overcast. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next Productive Monday.